welcome to the Happiness Injection with me, Jeanette. This is a special edition of the Happiness Injection recorded at our Happiness Festival 2019. And this guy is the guy I wrote, Happiness, the route map to inner joy with. It's Andy Cope. And Andy Cope shares some really insightful knowledge into the science although he does bang on about how I say that he wasn't allowed to be funny. But that's because why outshine the shiniest. <laughs> Enjoy listening. Okay. Um, okay, ladies and gents, uh, delighted, excited. That's quite a, quite a welcome, isn't it? Um, I'm, I'm nervous and terrified as always. Uh, huge welcome to, to my bit, which is very short, very brief, so I've got half an hour. A couple of shout-outs before we start. I knew who was in charge of the smoke machines, because can we... You know, if you're going to say, what did you take away from the Happiness Festival? Lung cancer. <laughs> Can we switch the bloody thing off, right? It's great. Okay, so, um, that's the thing, actually. Uh, Jeanette, uh, I'm going to call my talk zest. A couple of shout-outs. First of all, for the sixth formers at Southern College. It gives, it gives a... Yeah! Yeah, thank you, right? Psychology A-level, right? So the next generation of psychology is coming through the system. Um, and the other, the other, which is fabulous, yeah, fabulous. Um... That's me, that's, that's me on that, Shinat over there, whatever, yeah. So, excited, delighted, I think, more than anything, honoured. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you grapple with this every single day. <laughs> but I'm, obviously, right, I'm here uh, under strict orders from Shinat. Shinat's in charge of this gig, right? I just do what I'm told. And I'm on strict instructions not to be funny, because what we need at this is, Shinat wants to be funny, right? And if I'm funny, it makes her look bad. So I haven't got to try and be funny. What she wants me to do is be clever. So I am the doctor of happiness. The other shout-out, by the way, so I'm hoping I'm not too much of a dick. The other shout-out is from my mate, Pooley. Pooley, where are you? Yeah, Pooley, right? Because I know a lot of people have come a long way. I've met people from Devon today who got up at 4 o'clock. Pooley's come from Boston in America for the Happiness Festival. Pooley, man! That is a long way for Happiness Festival. And if you just take a good look at Pooley and ask yourself, have you ever seen Pooley? and the hood in the same room at the same time. Hey. Genius. It's uncanny, it's uncanny, isn't it? Okay, so what I'm going to do, I'm going to try and do the, the clever bit. So, uh, 12 years at Loughborough Uni, becoming the UK's one and only doctor of happiness. I am self-aware enough to understand that sounds a bit shite. I know that it sounds a bit rubbish. And I was going to call myself Dr. Feelgood for a little while, but uh, that... That's a bit creepy. So what I want to do, I have spent 12 years at Loughborough, and Andy wasn't far off. Oh, by the way, if you buy anything from our shop, um, you know, all the shops worth visiting, today we are giving away free squeezy lemons, because we've got a new book called Zest coming out. But I thought, what I'm going to do, before I do my clever, I'm going to try and do some clever stuff. I'm going to try and take you to, into territory that is brand new for me, and has blown my mind. So I've got 12 years of research that I don't want to share with you. I want to share something much better than that, something I've discovered in the last 12 to 18 months that has completely revolutionised everything. It's an insight. If I can get there in half an hour, then we're going to do really well. But I'm just going to get, I was going to get, trying to get the energy going, but we don't really need the energy going, it's already there. But we're just going to have a go at the giraffe test, just for my well-being, really. So four questions. So what we're going to do, and everything I'm going to talk about is really simple, like deadly simple. In fact, the biggest challenge, kids, the biggest challenge I had with my PhD in positive psychology was to make it sound complicated. Because if you look at happiness and the science of happy people, they're not doing anything complicated, which is one of the reasons they're happy. And there's this kind of saying, isn't there, oh yeah, but you only live once. And I'm coming at it from the other angle. I think that you only die once. We've got a chance to live every single day. 
And there's too many people out there who've got a pulse, but they're not fully engaged with their tape measure, yeah? They're just kind of going through the motions. So what I want to do is get you in ninja mode first, get your brain sorted, then blow your mind with some stuff that is intuitively simple, but quite hard to grasp. So wish me luck. Let's go with this, giraffe test. I'm going to ask you four questions, right? And I'm going to give you 10 seconds to think about it, have a chat if you need to, then I'm going to reveal the answer. If you get the answer right, you stay standing. If you get it wrong, you sit down. We'll see who's still standing after four questions, all right? So happiness festival, on your feet, please. Let's do the giraffe test. Whew. Okay, so remember everything, in fact everything, all the, talk is, uh, all the speakers are talking about today is intuitively simple. So we'll go with question number one. So here we go. The question is, how do you put a giraffe into a fridge? Alright, you've got 10 seconds, have a chat if you need it. The question is, how do you put a giraffe into a fridge? Cool. Okay. In terms of time, we haven't got very much time, so I'm going to reveal the answer. I did say keep it simple, so I'll trust you. I've not got time to come into the audience and ask you. But the, que the, answer, the question was, how do you put a giraffe into a fridge? The answer is, you open the fridge, you put in the giraffe, and you close the door. So if you said that, you can stay standing. If you said anything else, you can sit yourselves down. Whoa. Really? Okay. I've got four questions. I need you to still be in it after four questions. Okay, that's uh, three quarters of you gone. That is unusual, to be fair. Let's go again. Now, in schools, there's a lot of teachers here today. In schools, we call it scaffolding the learning. So scaffolding the learning for the non-teachers is when you give some information that builds you to a certain level, and then you build upon that. So if you're still standing, you're still in the game. If you sat down, you have to play quietly in your head. We'll go to question number two of four questions. So bearing in mind what we have just learned, question number two, how do you put an elephant into a fridge? Have 10 seconds, if you're still standing, you're still in the game. How do you put an elephant into a fridge? Ah, you got it girls, you got it. You've heard it before, that's why, that's why. Okay, that'll do. Okay. So how do you put an elephant into a, into a fridge? The answer of course is, you open the fridge, you take out the giraffe, you put in the elephant and you close the door. If you didn't say that, sit yourselves down. And we are down to about 30 faces out of a thousand people. Okay, now we'll go on to number three. Once again, we're really short of time, so I'm going to have to rush through it. But we begin to get the hang of it now. Okay, so the scaffolding of the learning, we keep it simple. We've got to remember what's gone before. Um, but I would expect everybody in the room to get number three because you begin to work out what's going on, okay? So question number three, bearing in mind what we have just learned. The Lion King is hosting an animal party. All the animals attend except one. Which animal does not attend? Ten seconds. Oh, it's easy now. You sat down. You bloody sat down. Okay, the answer is? Because because you just put it there, yeah? So, right, now let's see if I can catch any of the ones still standing. See if I can get you with question four. Because question four is a tough question, okay? It does require you to put all the clues together. So question number four. Here we go. There's a river you must cross, but it's used by crocodiles and you don't have a boat. How do you get across? There's a river you must cross, it's used by crocodiles, you don't have a boat. How do you get across? Tough question. 
Now, I haven't got time to come amongst you and find out what's going on. So I'll just reveal the answer. So, the question is, the river you must cross, it's used by crocodiles you don't have about how do you get across? The answer is that you jump in the river and you swim across because the crocodiles are attending the animal party! <laughs> no, it doesn't deserve a round of applause. It, it, it isn't worthy of a round of applause. Sit yourself down, guys. Sit yourself down. But the, the reason I just thought I'd introduce that was um, if you do that in a primary school, in an assembly with 300 kids, then the teachers are sat down after question one and the kids are still standing after four questions. All right, which is interesting because they are not constrained by the same levels of thinking that we've learned. They have this creativity and this slight bonkersness going on. And we lose that as we get a bit older. So what I want to do is kind of work on that really. So I'm going to base my talk and wish me luck, my team are here, so wish me luck, this is new information for me even. I was going to do, because Jeanette wants clever, right? She doesn't want funny, she wants clever, so I'll give her bloody clever, right? Here are seven facts, right? Seven facts that I found, well the first fact is really easy. The first fact is it took me 12 years to get a PhD, okay? And you can get a PhD in two years if you're clever. So I, I'm, I'd kind of describe it a bit like, um, you know, I was... There's a lot of growing up to do. So I, I'm not a naturally gifted academic. I've had to work really hard to get, to, to get my PhD. Now, the rest of them are proper facts. These are facts that I've uncovered throughout my research that didn't make it into the PhD, but are a damn sight more interesting than what did. But I couldn't ever write them up. So number two, and this is a fact about lottery tickets, right? Statistically speaking, you are more likely to die on the way to buying a lottery ticket than you are to win the actual lottery. <laughs> you, are, you, you are more likely to die on the way to the shop. All right, so I think maybe if, if winning the lottery ticket is you're pinning your hopes on, of happiness on that, then I think you might die waiting, okay? Second fact, and it is a fact, statistical research, right? Men with pierced ears make better husbands. I found there's actually an academic paper on men with pierced ears make better husbands. I read the paper for you, two reasons. First of all is because they've bought, bought jewellery. And the second thing is they've experienced pain. <laughs> all right, this is not a very funny gag at all, is it? Fact, absolute fact, all polar bears are left-handed. 100% of polar bears are left-handed. I mean, I find that out in the research. I'm, I can't write that up because it's not my avenue. But I think that explains why you've never seen them with scissors. That's what I'm thinking. See, Jeanette, that's not funny, is it, Jeanette? No, you're, I'm not upset enough. No, it's not funny, you see. But it is a fact. Now, this is my favourite fact. Forget the diagram, but the Dunning-Kruger effect. Honest, honestly, hand on heart, this is a thing, right? Let me get it right. I'd have to write this one down. There is something called the Dunning-Kruger effect. This is a phenomenon whereby less intelligent people are more confident. All right, so less intelligent people are more confident. But what does that mean? Well, Dunning and Kruger, who were two academics in America, they were inspired, and this is true, they were inspired by a criminal who held up a bank after covering his face with lemon juice. And you might well, why would you do that? And he, why would he cover his face with lemon juice? Because lemon juice can be used as invisible ink. So when they interviewed him and they caught him, he thought his face would not show up on the cameras. <laughs> and that's an actual... He actually thought that by smearing his face with lemon juice, he wouldn't be seen on the cameras. And they became known as the Dunning-Kruger effect. He's a complete idiot. And that's where the phrase, ignorance is bliss. So essentially, if you don't know very much, there's not very much to be afraid of. 
which is kind of an interesting take on things, right? So I think the Dunning-Kruger, and it's an actual thing. Now, here's another one. Kalman syndrome, it's called. This is the phenomenon whereby men with a bad sense of smell have little willies. <laughs> Fact. Fact. Men with a bad sense of smell have got little todgers. It's called the Kalman syndrome. Okay, I've just put that one out there. I can smell somebody's left a tap on in the gents. <laughs> so that was that funny? That wasn't funny. No, it wasn't funny. I'm okay. And here's one, and that takes me, hopefully these facts will take me into what I really want to talk about today. Here's another fact. Most people are a million miles away from feeling as great as they could. So what the science of positive psychology, for 130 years, psychology was a subject about illness. So we learned, and the students will be learning about phobias, disorders, anxiety, depression, paranoia, schizophrenia. For 130 years, psychology was exclusively about mental ill health. So let's, let's find out what your problems are, we'll diagnose you, we'll give you some therapy or counselling. If that doesn't work, here's some medication that will at least mask it and enable you to function. And that's a big thing, right? In England, last year, there were 70 million prescriptions written for people who aren't feeling very good. You could argue the modern world, there's an epidemic of unhappiness, okay? Now, most, so positive psychology, so for 130 years, psychology has missed an open goal. For 130 years, psychologists have never, ever, and I mean literally never, studied people who are already happy, <laughs> right? Because what would be the point? What would be the point of that? They don't need any help. Well, I came at it from the point, well, who the bloody hell are they? And what are they doing that we can learn? And what can we then learn from them that we can put into practice in our own lives so that we can actually upgrade our own levels of happiness as well? And it's changed my life, you know, and, and I, I want to share some stuff that comes out of that. That's the question that launched my research in 2005. It was a question in my little Derby head, right? The question is, could you be happier even if nothing in the world around you changed? And it's not a trick question. Right, but it was rattling around in my head for a little while. Could you be happier even if nothing in the world around you changed? And if you rattle it around in your head, my answer to me was, uh, yes, I could be. So that was an admission for the first time ever for me that I had the potential to be happier. I could actually be happier, but I wasn't being. The world wasn't, didn't need to change. I, I was standing in my own way. And then I was addressing a conference a few weeks later, and I dared to put the slide on, because it might just be me. Could you be happier even if nothing in the world around you changed? And about 300 of the people in the audience surprised themselves by going, uh, yeah, I could be actually as well. So the question, well, why aren't we being? What's holding us back? And the biggest single thing holding me back from being happy was in fact me. Now that, it becomes, that's quite a big deal in its own right. But of course the problem with the modern world, yeah, the problem with the modern world and that's a metaphor, isn't it, for how most people are living their life. We're busy, we're faster, you know, your work is being restructured. The kids have got more pressure, more exams and more Instagram and more Facebook than ever before. And if we're not careful, you know, well, sometimes in the public sector you get to reapply for your own job. Woohoo! <laughs> Thanks for that, nice one. And what happens is, if we're not careful, we will have a mental wobble. That's a metaphor for modern life, isn't it? And 70 million prescriptions for antidepressants tells you that that path's getting narrower. Now, the other thing about the modern world, I saw that one on a TED talk. I thought it was really funny, actually. <laughs> I think it's proper good, isn't it? Is that all of us, it's interesting, Paul talking about his books, because it's not just books, but when you get a one star Amazon review, somebody has gone to the trouble of buying a book about happiness and then going online to spit bile about it. 
And that used to really upset me, but then I realised that's not about me, really, that's about the state that they're in, and, and my, you know, I, it's really sad. So I've learned to kind of celebrate this shit that goes wrong, you know, whatever, everybody has it. And it's about taking the modern world and learning what, I've just got that, because I knew we had a big screen today, can I just have a go at that before I do the inside bit? Is if you look at that image and ask yourself, is it moving or isn't it moving, then there'll be a difference of opinion. Right, so with a thousand people in the room, some people will see it moving and some people won't. Now the reason I like it, it's sort of loosely based on a stress test. So the faster that's moving, the more stressed you are, basically. Well, yeah, you're sitting there like, like that. It should, if it's not moving, that's not good either. Yeah? That means you're dead. Should we just gently move in this way? That will be a good thing. And the point, of course, is, and Paul was right with his, with his sumo, is that a little bit of stress is good for you. So human beings are built to withstand stress. We need some stress. The problem with the modern world is the relentless nature of the pressures that are put on us and the speed with which we're trying to keep up with everything. So I want to share something. I had a chat with Paul McGee before we started, so I knew roughly what he was going to do. And I want to go with some territory here that's new to me and then I hopefully blow your minds with something that is, I think is really out there. But it's, it, it might not change your life today, but it might over the next six months when it sinks in. But I'm going to start with this, the Japanese art of kintsugi. There's a few books out there on kintsugi now. You know when you were little and you went around the museum, you got it was summer holidays and you went to a museum and you got dragged around a museum and you always end up, there's a, there's a pottery section, wasn't there? And you're like, why are we looking at pots? What's the point of them? There's dinosaurs in the exhibition next door and you're stuck in the pottery bit. So as a kid, as a nine-year-old kid, you dragged through straight past all the pottery sections to get something more interesting and you will have missed out on the most gorgeous thing ever. Kintsugi, Japanese art of kintsugi. And as you can see from that pot, at some point in, that li- in its life, that pot has fallen on the floor and it's smashed. And somebody has lovingly pieced it back together. Now in Kintsugi, what they do is they put gold in the glue. They put gold colouring in the glue. So when that pot is reassembled and pieced back together, every single imperfection is deliberately highlighted. And the reason that I love Kintsugi is that that pot is deemed more beautiful after it's been put back together. And I think there's something there, folks, about human beings. Yeah? Everybody in this room is that pot. Even the kids, right? They're not very old, but they will have had things happen in their life already where we feel smashed. Yeah, your job's not great, relationship breaks up, you get an illness, whatever. We're all smashed and then we piece ourselves back together. And we try and hide the flaws, we try and paper over the cracks, we put a, a smile on our face and go for it and pretend everything's okay. Now, positive psychology isn't about pretending everything's okay, but it is, I think, about an understanding that what broke you has made you who you are. There's something in that. So, no laughs in that. It's not funny at all, right? Jeanette will be really pleased with that because that's not funny. And this isn't funny either. This is my PhD, but I'm going to do it in a different way today. So when you become a doctor of something, you have to kind of prove or disprove a body of knowledge and try and move the whole of psychology forward just an inch. So what I did was, essentially, to keep it really brief, I measured people in the workplace on their emotions. So 16 emotions, lots of questionnaires, thousands of people, and I measured them on these 16 emotions. And then I mapped people. Um, so if, you, if I gave you the questionnaire and you scored high and enthusiastic, joyful, inspired and excited, then you're in the engaged. That's the, what I call my two percenters in the workplace, right? Really positive, upbeat people. If you score high on calm, relaxed, laid back and at ease, then you're in the satisfied section of that quadrant. So uh, if you score high on depressed, dejected, despondent and hopeless, which some people do, and they shouldn't even be at work, but they are at work, bless them, 
then they're in the depressed section. And if you score highest on nervous, anxious, tense, or worried, you'd be in stress. So essentially what I was able to do over, over a long time was build up a heat map of how people are feeling at work, right? So that's kind of interesting. Maybe if you log an average British employee, then they have a pattern at work that's a little bit like that. However, there were some people who were different, and it's these people that interest me, my two percenters, the handful of people that you can think of in your life who have got energy, positivity, vivacity, aliveness, passion, a smile on their face. They make you feel good as well. I call it flourishing. Flourishing is when your happiness leaks out of you and creates positive spirals of emotion in the people around you. And if you plot my two percenters, the people that psychology has never studied before because they're not ill, and if you plot them on exactly the same emotions, then they, and for the geeks in the room, there'll be one or two geeks, there won't be many, but for the geeks in the room, every single difference on that diagram is of statistical significance, which means it's a real difference that's worth reporting on academically. Now, this is massive. I didn't know what I was going to find. And I know what you're, th you're thinking, yeah, you don't give a shit, right? Because it's an academic thing. And I get, well, who cares? Who cares if people are feeling upbeat and positive? Well, they care because of this, right? I want to take you into somewhere now, right? So emotion creates motion. What that means is the way that you feel drives your behaviour, always. Right? So we're not driven by big words in academia, we're driven entirely by feelings. So that's, that's kind of interesting, but let me, let, me, let me prove it. Let me just prove it in one minute. So let's, in fact, let's go with... I'm just going to split you into four groups, right? very quickly, very quickly. So you are, I'm your manager, you're my staff, I've given you the survey, and you lot here have scored engaged. So you are highest on enthusiastic, joyful, inspired and excited. You're coming to work. They're the emotions. Enthusiastic, joyful, inspired and excited. What you're feeling most of the time, right? My group here, you are satisfied. So if I plot you on the graph, you're in the bottom right. You're feeling calm, relaxed, laid back in a tease most of the time at work. Sorry team, sorry team. But we're going to have to just, just to prove a point. You have done the same questionnaire as everybody else, but you're scoring highest on depressed, dejected, despondent and hopeless. You shouldn't be at work. Thank you for being there, but you really shouldn't. But you're feeling like that on a regular basis. And my team over here, you're scoring highest on nervous, anxious, tense and worried, right? So just for 30 seconds, let's assume I am your manager and I'm lifting my backside out of my seat in my office and I'm walking towards you. So I've not got to you, but I'm walking your way for a conversation. Before I even get there, can you just talk to the person next to you for 15 seconds? What's going on in your head when you're feeling those feelings? What's going on before I get there? Go for it, quickly. Okay, team, that'll do, that'll do. It shouldn't need a long amount, it shouldn't need a big amount of time because it's kind of obvious. I, I actually haven't got time to do this because, um, you know, things are overrunning a little bit. But I would suggest to you that I'm the manager coming your way. My people over here, my two percenters, as I call them, are like, way, great stuff, manager's coming, let's have a chat, let's share what's going on. Yeah, let's see what, I, I'm going to be greeted with some energy, enthusiasm and creativity from these people. These people here, calm, relaxed, laid back, yeah, you'll, yeah, whatever. Managers come in, could be good, could be bad, not too bothered, swing both ways kind of thing. You lot, oh shit. <laughs> Look, your manager's bound to be, what have I done? What have I done? I've done something, haven't I? 
I've not even got to you, but you're already on the defensive. You're already, because the way you're feeling, he's driving what's going on in your head, and it's sort of, and then you lot over here are like, oh my gosh, no way, it's bound to be more work. He's bringing as much, does he not know how much I've already got on? So what I'm trying to do, and I'm doing it like 100 miles an hour, what I'm suggesting to you is the way that you feel will drive our relationship. It will drive the behaviours that we have. But that's not the insight. The insight is coming here, right? Okay. Students, you need to listen to this big time. This will change your life. It might be too late for everybody else. They're too old. <laughs> I used to think, and I wrote a first, my first book was based on this. So a trigger is anything out there in the big wide world that makes you feel in a certain way. Your feelings drive your behaviour, and your behaviour determines what happens to you, which we call your outcome. So your classic trigger is, is, is traffic or road rage. So if somebody cuts you up in the traffic, that's a trigger. That will make you feel, makes me feel angry. So I chase them across town. The behaviour and the outcome is murder or something pretty horrible, yeah? And it really feels like that's the way the world works. And there's a million things triggering every day. But the insight is this. The insight is this. I want to prove it to you in a second. That you can never, ever have a feeling without first having a thought. I mean, it's impossible to have a feeling without first having a thought. And this is called inside-out thinking. It changes everything. It put, it's like thinking on steroids. Because... What you realise is he's not the bad driver that is making me feel angry. It is the way I'm thinking about the bad driver. It is not Donald Trump that is making me shout at the TV. It's the way I'm thinking about Donald Trump. Donald Trump is neutral until I apply thinking to him. He's like, okay, maybe, possibly. I can nearly go with that, but not quite. You're nearly with me. So let me prove it. Oh, there you go. Well, she's not, she's not, she's not angry about what she thinks she's angry about. I want to prove it via... I want to, this is the insight. I know that isn't going to change your life today, but this is huge. This, of my 12 years of research, this insight blows it out of the water. It is more powerful than my 12 years of hard slog in the university library. And it is this. You are feeling your thinking. You are not feeling the external world. Now, of course, it seems like you... It really feels as though you're... That Donald Trump and Brexit and the work restructures and the bad traffic, it really feels and it genuinely feels like that's why you're agitated. But what I'm saying it isn't. It's the way you're thinking about all that. So the key to everything is to, is to rethink how you think. And I want to prove it by this little critter here. It's called Pinky. Right, this is Pinky. Uh, my daughter, who's now 23 or 24, or about this big, whatever, when, when she was four, when she was four and her little brother was one, um, we went as a family to North Devon. We went to a place called Ilfracombe. And it was a rainy day in Britain on a summer holiday. So what we did, nothing, you couldn't go to the beach, so we did the gift shop thing. So we wandered around with two little kids looking in the gift shops. And Sophie, age four, bought this little critter here. It's called Pinky. She named him Pinky. Yeah, kids are supposed to be creative. <laughs> Not mine. Pinky. But Pinky, if you've got kids or grandchildren, you will know that kids have a go-to toy. Pink, Sophie, Pinky was Sophie's go-to toy pretty much forever. So you'd read a bedtime story to Sophie, and you took Pinky in next door to Sophie, and that would make her feel safe and comfortable. Pinky got dragged around the house with her everywhere she went. Still in her bedroom today, Pinky. Right? Now, four-year-old daughter, read her a story, took Pinky in. If you, if you talk to my daughter, she will be 100% convinced, absolutely hook, line and sinker, convinced, that Pinky is making her feel loved and comforted. All right? If you took Pinky away, she would cry. So Pinky is making her feel loved and comforted. Now, if I took a scalpel and slipped Pinky down the middle, and we open Pinky up, and what we'll find is Pinky is made of material and beads. I can feel some beads in there. It's probably made in a factory in Guangzhou. <laughs> My point is this. Pinky contains no love. 
So one, well, I know it's a, I know it's a, it's a thing. I, I'm, destroy, I'm destroying some people's lives right now, I know that. But it's such a huge point because it, the point is this, 100% of my daughter's feelings towards Pinky are coming from my daughter. Now it doesn't seem like that, the world is designed to fool. As you get older, you, you get different Pinkies. It's your shoes, it's your haircut, it's your job, it's your relationship. You're convinced you're going to be happy in three weeks when you're on your holiday. We've, these, these are Pinkies. And none of them are true. It, the world is really designed to make you feel like that because you think the external world is impacting on you and it never can. Now that is such a big insight. It's called inside-out thinking. Something I'm grappling with at the moment. It, I've, I've been so much calmer and so much happier since I learned this in the last 12 months because a lot of my stress has melted away. Because I know that it isn't Brexit. Brexit has no power over me anymore. Now that is a, is a bigger point than it sounds. And I was kind of risking to do, today to do that or not because I think it's so simple and yet so easy to forget because it is genuinely the world. You will be thinking that your feelings now are coming from a relationship that broke up 10 years ago. The bastard. Yeah, and when we... Now that, that, that relationship can't time travel into today other than through your thoughts. But when you're thinking that thought, then it comes into your feelings right now in this moment. And all you've ever got is this moment. Your life is lived entirely in the present moment. So all the history you've got, you can only access those memories from this present moment. And the future doesn't exist. Because when you get to a point that you thought was the future, that will also be your present moment. So what this really does for me, what the pinky theory does for me, is puts me in the present moment. And it makes me realise that my feelings right now are entirely down to what I'm thinking. And I have, that gives me power. I, if I want to get angry about Brexit, I can continue to think those thoughts. That's fine, if that's righteous anger. But if I don't want an ulcer, and I don't want to get angry, then I can let that go. And that's been a massive, massive learning point for me. So I'll leave you with this, because my time is just about up. I love that question. It's a question out of a guy called Richard Wilkins. What hasn't happened that you didn't want, that you haven't celebrated? It's a weird question, okay? So let me give you an... Because you won't understand it. Let me give you an example. What hasn't happened that you didn't want that you haven't celebrated? So I woke up this morning, uh, I opened my curtains, and there wasn't a zombie apocalypse outside. Right? <laughs> now, I didn't want there to be a zombie apocalypse, and there wasn't one, but I didn't open the curtains and shout to my wife, Louise, hey, Lou, guess what? Woo! No zombies again! <laughs> because she would think that was weird. Yeah? Plus, it's hard for your brain to celebrate something that hasn't happened. And then we drove here today from Derby to Birmingham. On that journey, we didn't run over a single badger. No badgers murdered by me today. But when I came in and met the team today, I was going, hey, hey, how you doing, how you doing? By the way, we haven't run over any badgers. No badgers, I haven't killed any today. Because that would have thought that was weird. Now, kids do this, kids set this to another level. You've got kids at home tonight, this is your conversation, right? Around the tea table. Let me give you a last, last example, because uh, I'm a minute over, right? I'm aware. I did the Jersey Book Festival last September, which doesn't sound a big deal, that was a big deal. It was 650 kids in the Jersey Opera House, right? And these kids are aged between six and eight. It was just an epic audience. And I had that, that, that beamed up that big on the screen behind me all the way through, just that one slide, and just 10 minutes before the end, I said to the kids, what hasn't happened? You didn't want, you haven't celebrated. And they're like, huh? I gave them a couple of examples. I said, they're fantastic kids, brilliant. Um, let's go, you come up with some examples of your own. So off they went, and a minute later, I've got 650 hands up with these kids between six and eight. Microphone makes its way to a little boy over there. I said, what hasn't happened that you didn't want, that you haven't celebrated? And he said, I haven't been murdered in cold blood by a ventriloquist dummy wearing a clown costume. 
He's six years old. So I said, did you want to be murdered by... Of course I didn't, especially not by a ventriloquist to me because they're really scary. He said, but what I've learned, Andy, is that I'm going to celebrate that every single day. Right? That's a life changer for him. He's going to come down for breakfast every day going, woohoo, guess what, mother? Not have my throat slit by a demonic dummy. I would suggest that is a really good start to the day, not being murdered by a demonic dummy. Microphone goes to a little girl over here, seven years old. What hasn't happened? You didn't want, you haven't celebrated. She says, I went to the toilet this morning and there wasn't a crocodile in it. That's a level of genius we can't do as adults. So, but she says, what I've realised, I said, did you want it to be a crocodile? Of course I didn't, it would have been in my bottom. She says, but I've realised, um, she says, every single time I flush the toilet, I'm going to celebrate that. Now that is a little bit weird. <laughs> but, what, what if you look, I spent 12 years researching happy people, and the only difference, guess what, they live in the same world as us. Brexit happens to them as well. Trump happens to them. Potholes happen to them. It rains on happy people as well. They have this magnificent ability to think differently from the rest of the population. That's helped me enormously. I mean, a, a bit of an adult phrase, isn't there? Like, shit happens. And what I'm really saying here is there's a lot of shit that's not happening. But we're really good at focusing on the bad stuff that is happening. What I'm saying is loads and loads of bad stuff that could have happened that hasn't. And if we, if we will begin to flip our mindset, remember, you are feeling your thinking. This helps you just change your thinking a little bit. When you're thinking more positively, you get the glow on the outside and away we go. It, it's not just good for you, it's good for everybody else around you as well. Right, I'm going to just... Don't shout it out, just put your hand up when you've spotted the difference. Two different, there's a big difference on those pictures. Put your hand up when you've found the difference. Quick, 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 come on team. Don't shout it, just put your hand up when you've spotted the difference between those two pictures. Come on, gang. Well, I've literally got three minutes left. Yeah, be there? Okay, I'll give you the answer because some hands haven't gone up, right? It's worrying me a little bit. It's an engine. It's an engine. Good job you're not pilots, I suppose. That's quite a big thing that most of the room didn't see. That's a big thing that's really obvious after it's been pointed out. Right, you are feeling your thinking, as said twice, it's not going to change your life today, you won't get it straight away. But over the next six months, if you can realise that everything you are feeling is not coming from the external world, it's just coming from inside you. Pinky contains no love. 100% of your feelings are coming from inside you, then it begins to give you an advantage over everybody else. So this is my last bit. I've really, literally, I've got five minutes left. So I'm going to show you this video. Can you give me some volume on this, sir? It, I've clipped it together off YouTube. This is, now this is really interesting, I think. It's kind of quite funny, but also a little bit disturbing. This is where little children discover their shadow. Have you ever kind of thought about, if you didn't know the shadow existed and all of a sudden you saw a shadow, what would happen? This would happen. <laughs> Vem, vem. Vem por aqui, ó. Aqui não tem sombra, ó. Vem. Vem e vem. Vem por aqui, tá bom, ó. Vem, vem. Vem. 
shadow. It does whatever you do. It's your shadow, it does whatever you do. Now, once again, positive psychology is not about pretending that bad days don't exist. It's not about happy clappy. You know, you're going into work on Monday going, woohoo, don't those weekends drag? Isn't it great to be back at work, everybody? Is, is, is you're going to get bullied. But the shadow is really interesting because you are allowed to have a bad day. You're allowed to have a bad week or a bad month. But what we're trying to mitigate against at this conference is having a bad life. We don't want anybody to have a bad life. But when we do have a bad day, we need to understand that we are also casting a bit of a shadow over the people around us, the people closest to us. So we need to minimise the downtime. It's inevitable, but minimise it. As a happiness researcher, I'm interested in the opposite of a shadow, which is the light. Okay? And there's something called the heliotropic effect, which I really, really like. And it, you might remember it from your biology days when you were at school. The heliotropic effect is where flowers follow the energy. They follow the sun. So on a nice day like today, the sun rises in the east, the flowers will feel the heat, they will open their flowery petals, they will lock onto the sun, and if you video that flower and you, and you watch it all day, it will literally track the sun all day and it will go to sleep west. Then it will feel the heat again, it will bloom, it will track, and it will go to sleep again. Now here's the only piece of real academia that I want to do with you today. I'm going to put it down in the bottom of the screen there. The definition of the heliotropic effect, which is this. This is not mine, this is from the dictionary. All living systems grow towards the light and are attracted to that which is life-giving and repelled by what is life-taking. I've just put that first bit. All living systems grow towards the light and are attracted to that which is life-giving. So I'm hoping that you get the point of this conference. Yeah? Is that if we can have more good days... Right, I'm 52 years old. I've only just re re realised, literally four years ago, I've realised this. Is that wherever I go, I'm there. Well, you, well you, so I'm a slow learner, right? About age 48, I had this epiphany moment. I was in Tesco's in Ascu de la Zouche, right? And I just realised, bloody hell, I'm in Tesco's in Ascu de la Zouche. I'm here. I'm in Tesco's. And then I'm here today, I'm, I'm standing on the stage somewhere in Birmingham. Oh my gosh, that's incredible. And then tonight, I'll be, I'm, at, I'm at home having a barbecue with my family. And at work, I'll be, uh, on Monday, I'll be at work somewhere. So my point is this, I'll leave you with this point, is that I can't get away from me. For the whole of the tape measure, for all those nearly 80 years, I'm absolutely trapped with myself. A life sentence. Every single second of my life, I'm trapped with me. I can put my trainers on and run across the car park, but I still can't get away from me. And you can't get away from you. So what that means to me is if I can't get away from me, then I may as well be trapped with a version of me that I'm proud of, or a version of me that's got some energy, or a version of me that's got some confidence and positivity and passion and hope and optimism, rather than the version of me from 15 years ago that didn't really have very much of that. So by taking positive psychology and applying it to the most important person, which is the one sat on your seat right now, then you become an energy giver and a life giver for other people. Two postcards. Some of you, we, we're trying to get people as they came in to write down some promises to themselves. So not everybody took part, but we've got some, some here. So pr these are happiness promises to yourself. So this, I'm just, just going to pick two. So Jen, one promise to herself, I will not base my happiness on my dress size. Cool. It's just genius, Jen. I don't know who you are, but it's brilliant. And then Ranjit, I am the ripple that is going to become the wave. Yeah. 
So what we've got is nearly a thousand people, nearly a thousand people here today, and that is more than a ripple. Yeah, that is a tsunami of positivity that can lead here. We have more heliotropic effects. We do more positive psychology. We've become a better version of ourselves. That's firstly will benefit you, but it will also benefit the people around you. That's my last slide. I think it's a beautiful design slide, and I like the quote, but I'll leave you with a better quote, a quote by a guy called Robert Holden. And what Robert Holden says, he says, if there's something missing in your life, then it's probably you. And I think that's really smart, because I think what he means is that sometimes we'd be so busy doing stuff that we forget who we actually are. So what this conference is about is about taking you out of your normal life, putting you through something a bit different. It's going to be a bit bonkers, it's going to have clever stuff, it's going to have funny stuff, but ultimately you leave here and it helps you cope with the world as it is. Not the world as you want it to be, but as it actually is. You are feeling, you're thinking. Thank you. If you've liked listening to this, why not buy a ticket? Pop along to www.spreadthehappiness.co.uk and find out when our next annual happiness festivals are. And also, why don't you drop a review? Why don't you subscribe? And why don't you rate us? That would make me extra happy. Thanks for listening. See you on the next one.